Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If so, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has a ton of cool features like curated, shareable playlists and collections made just for you. Aww. Along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And the best part is, it's super easy to use! Exclamation point. It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it'll be yours, too. Uh, so do yourself a favor, download Himalaya today, and be sure to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. Welcome to prime time, bitch! All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 151 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for a random Tuesday in August the 6th, 2019. Our schedule's all out of whack. Sorry for, uh, I don't know if this is going to be a delayed podcast or if we're just not going to do a podcast for last week. I don't, I don't even know anymore. But my name's Josh Cannon, and I'm here with my co-host, Mike. And Mike was just talking about all these just peaceful events happening in the United States lately and just how wonderful it is to live here, weren't you, Mike? Something like that? No, no, I was talking about all these fucking shootings, yeah. which seem to never end. I think a big part of it is uh, with uh, the 24-hour news cycle and with, you know, the internet and all this stuff, this type of news just gets to us a lot faster. And in some ways, uh, some of these more... It might seem like there are more shootings... But it might just be because they're they're reported more often than they necessarily might have been in the past. Um, I don't know 100% if that's true or not, but it definitely does feel like there is more like th- th- than there has been ever before. Well, I mean, they keep making these fucking shooters like infamous by... That's a big problem. Publishing I, I their fucking name. And- but I... I, I align with the uh, folks who have the belief and the opinion that by having so much coverage on these scumbags, these fucking losers, uh, <clears throat> it, it, def- it really is making these demented psychos, it makes them think... It gives them validation. Yeah, it gives them validation for what they decide to do. Yeah, it's like, oh, see, if I go and, and and shoot up a bunch of people, I will be, everyone will know me. It's like that Elliot Roger incel yeah. loser. He, you yeah. know, he, he, he already had these delusions of grandeur and all that. So, like, you know, his name going down in history was like, you know. Well, the, the El Paso shooter, he, he had a manifesto as well. So, a lot of these uh, demented fuckheads... You know that they have uh, these manifestos and all this other shit, and and they're they're all about being infamous. They're all about uh, being seen as more than just a name, more than just a, a person. You know, making their uh, actions and their name live on in infamy because of what you know that they have done. And really, what I think the media should do from now on, and I think this would help. A little bit. There's still going to be shooters because we. I, I think a big reason why we we are having a hard time with preventing a lot of these things from happening is the lack of mental health resources that we have in the United States. 
So that really is a glaring problem. And it's how we do more to try to fix that instead of cut it out of the budget. Uh, it's just going to be a, 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 a thorn in our side. It's just going to continue to be a problem. So, and also I think, I know some people, oh, you don't need stricter gun laws. Maybe we might need some little, like, maybe fucking there should be an age limit for being able to buy an assault rifle. Or maybe there should also be, maybe you should have to go through a little bit more background checks. I mean, I'm sure there is an age limit. I'm sure a teenager can't yeah. go and buy an assault rifle. No. So there is technically an age limit. I don't know what it is. Um, yeah. and, 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 you know, acting like banning and like you know higher powered firearms well, that is gonna wouldn't do anything no i mean because i mean they'll find a gun re- you know regardless a handgun but... can kill people just exactly. as easily as an assault I, I think there should be a little bit more psych evaluations though with, with some with some individuals you know who like you know a little bit more uh of an opportunity for uh folks who were selling these individuals you know weapons to see if they have like a history of you know psychological. Well, I mean they um, they're supposed to do problems. that. They're supposed to you know do these kind of you know background checks and all that. But I mean I, I mean like I could go out and if I'm mentally unstable and I finally go over the edge, you know, chances are I, I haven't committed some kind of crime or something in the past. Exactly. You know, I'm just mentally. It, it's, it's just something that's really hard to pinpoint. And it's, there's not, there's no easy answer. So stricter gun laws isn't, isn't necessarily going to fix things. I saw an interesting statistic on a uh, CBS news. I think it was, and I'm going to butcher, not butcher, but I'm going to get these, um, this poll slightly. It's not a poll. It's like a circle graph or whatever. Um, I think it said something like 1% of all gun deaths in America are from mass shootings. Yeah. 60% are from suicide and mm-hmm. like 30% are from homicide. Yeah. So yeah, mental health, no matter which way you slice it is a big problem or a big contribution to uh gun related deaths, whether you're killing exactly. yourself or you're killing somebody else. It, it precisely. Um, but going back to what our initial point was that we were making, I definitely feel the media should stop. They should stop uh, providing the names of these people. They should just uh, call them anonymous shooters. There's some country that, that does that. They will not publish their name. Yeah, they're just an anonymous shooter. And um, that's it. Like, the families of the victims should know the person's name, yeah. obviously. You know, but as far as... I don't know as, going as far to, like, rake them over the coals or roast them on live TV. You know, I don't know if... Because that, that's that's wishful thinking. I would love for that to be the norm, too. Where they would just get fucking roasted, like Elliot Roger, Just get their ass roasted on live television. And their name is never even revealed. They're just associated with uh, being, you know, a fucking loser. And nobody knows what their name is. <clears throat> and they're not associated directly with the crime. That 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 is something that I I definitely if that'd be an ideal situation because then they're they're going to be infamous in a in a completely different way that they don't want. You know, uh, the whole but reason that would cause you know some privacy you know uh, problems and there'd be controversies associated with that. So I don't really see that probably happening because of the moral barometer a lot of people have. But the anonymous thing, I don't see why that we can't start doing that now. 
Well, There's really no this point. This all mainly started in the 90s. So really, the big contributing factor to this was Senator Joe Lieberman's failure to ban the video game Night Trap on the Sega <laughs> CD. <laughs> And oh yeah, like 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 uh, uh, the stupid or or, fucking... or the Sega Enforcer uh, oh plastic uh, light gun or whatever because that didn't happen back in 1992 or whatever. <laughs> that's why all these shootings are happening. You know, according to some fucking dumbasses in in you know <sighs> higher up in in our government. Yeah, and you like, know, video games are just teaching children to be these like murderous psychopaths. And Rammstein, let's not let's not forget that. <laughs> Rammstein and Marilyn Manson as well that they're so they're to blame. It's, it's so crazy that we're still going back to that. Oh, but then somebody I think on Fox was saying it was trans and gay people uh or the reason why these mass shootings are happening. So that's also food for thought. I had there was someone who's making an argument Josh that there are no shootings in ja- J- in Japan because they don't have video games. Ah. And I'm like <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, Okihabara totally doesn't exist. <laughs> the mecca of like all video games and electronics, okay. <laughs> this shows you how far out of depth, you know, a, a lot of these uh folks are i will say japan individuals yeah, J- who are talking about you know video games or looking at you know statistics and trying to talk about politics are like i mean for fuck's sake like how can you say shit like that japan doesn't have especially on live tv there's no shootings because they don't have any video games <laughs> i mean they got they got fucking there's like an nes game sega <laughs> yeah there's an nes game where you were like clubbing baby seals like on it was a japan only game it might have been ice Cl- like uh, the japan version of ice claimers if i'm remembering yeah. correctly which i'm probably not but yeah you're clubbing baby seals if anything the japanese are more twisted they have some fucking hentai games <laughs> oh yeah the, the the beloved tentacle tentacle porn yeah they're and f- they have like underage uh uh sex games too like for like kids or whatever like you know uh th- this really creepy dating simulator or whatever so yeah japan they they have their fair fair share of fucked up video games like just like we do so it's not really uh, a, a good example I mean, I've never known a ma- like a mass Maybe. shooter, so I I can't I I honestly have no idea what would compel someone to do that. I really ha- I have I can't even begin. Well, it's it's it, I think that what compels a mass shooter to do what they do is 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 unexplained. It's unknown. It's a mystery. Just like uh, what would compel someone like Dennis Rader to do what he did. Like I remember being so angry at this one kid in my high school uh, who used to make fun of me really bad about my weight. Like he really. He was like, you know, there was a bunch of kids who made fun of me, but he was really like the the worst offender. Uh-huh. Um, and and I fantasized about like shoving a gun down his throat and you know blowing his fucking whole Jeez. body. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was so I was so fucking angry, you know. But like, yeah. I fantasized about it, but never in a thousand years would I've actually retrieved a gun brought it you know like there's a difference between thinking it and being like oh that would be awesome and actually doing it there's Mm -hmm. there's like a thousand degrees of separation between those two things you can think about a lot of fucked up shit but as long as you don't do it then you know although thinking it might be the precursor to doing it yeah probably a red flag there but especially if you if you continually 
think about yeah. doing those things. I mean, I knew from I knew myself and I knew I wasn't going to do that. But, you know, for other people, you know, that's probably a red flag if they're thinking about that. And, and I don't really I, I do think, you know, some people make up the whole like, oh, well, it came from a broken home, blah, 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 blah. And, and yes, that probably was a factor. But let's not act like that's the main factor here as to why an individual like this decides to shoot other people. You know, it, it's like, oh, you know, if he had better home life, then things would be just fine. Maybe. But if you have no way to really test that, you can't really say for sure that that would that would have solved uh, the, this kid's uh, issues enough so that he would not have eventually done something like this. But a lot of people say like this guy, this kid, like he was antisocial and he was just, you know, a type of person you didn't really want to be around going all the way back to high school. So, yeah. But anyway, enough about mass shootings. Uh, we're going to talk yes. about some other fucked up shit. <laughs> you came to the wrong podcast if you're trying to escape from the cruelties of uh, the real world, because we are we are about to in- impose them on you and bring them into your yes. safety zone, your ears, your brain. Uh huh. Um, and, uh, yeah, once again, sorry for the delay. It's just one of those things where schedule just didn't work out. Um, I got called into work, so I had to stay later on the day we were going to do it. And then we just didn't have another, uh, open date until now. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, so we have actually three cases for you. So we're going to make up for, uh, the delay. Or the missing podcast by giving you as a big a, a, way. giving you as Mike would call it a double stuffed podcast. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we're starting off with the case of Maria Rosa Hernandez, uh, who is probably one of the biggest female pieces of shit we've covered on the podcast, aside yes. from Marie Hilly. Mm-hmm. Um, this woman is is just uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, gets her jollies off by beating kids and torturing them uh and masquerading as a kindly nanny uh this is actually a lot more common than i would like to think about i remember dr phil did like a whole episode on like that you know they have these nanny cams you know where they film Mm -hmm. the the nannies and like the shit they did to these kids when the parents were home they'd be screaming at the kid throwing shit at them but this bitch actually murdered one of the kids and almost killed another one so mm-hmm. on july 5th 1990 paramedics rushed four-year-old ashley berman into a los angeles emergency room she was unconscious and barely breathing a short time later the doctor made a shocking accusation ashley had been physically assaulted by her nanny one thing to note in the reenactment for this scene on unsolved mysteries um i remember watching this uh segment when i was a kid or well, not a kid yeah. but you know like 10 years ago or so whatever and uh cheryl hines of curb your enthusiasm yeah. fame was the mother in this uh in this reenactment mm-hmm. and she was like she's like i don't know how this could have happened blah, blah blah and just like hearing her voice i was expecting her to be like larry you know what are you doing because like, <laughs> like i'm just so used to her being like larry david's wife in curb your enthusiasm uh-huh. was crazy watching her on the show but anyway yeah that's like i don't know if that was like when i saw uh the segment that had uh stephanie weir from mad tv like when i saw that segment i expected her to like you know act like dot or you know just you know do a sketch yeah (laughs) 
So um, Ashley's mother, Sharon Berman, was in a state of disbelief. I looked at him and said, no way. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. Rosa would never hurt Ashley. She took care of her. We had neighbors that would see Rosa and Ashley at the park. They would call me up and tell me how lucky I was to have someone like Rosa. I did not believe him. The Bermans met Rosa Hernandez in 1988 when she applied to be the live-in nanny for two-year-old Ashley. According to Ashley's father, Jeff, Rosa was highly recommended by various neighbors. One neighbor that worked that she worked for a couple of years beforehand who swore by her said she was wonderful and she'd be perfect to watch our daughter and that she had experience with kids and she was very good at what she did. Jeff remembered how well Ashley responded to her new nanny. When we brought Ashley down to meet her, Ashley seemed to connect with her very well, as well as Rosa connected with Ashley. So I felt this was definitely going to work out and that she would be good with Ashley. Now, one thing that I don't get after um, watching this is Rosa, they needed a translator there when they were interviewing her because that's how little English Rosa spoke. I don't know if this is a common thing, obviously, because I'm not wealthy and I will never own a, a nanny, most likely, or a maid. But, like, it, it, is that, like, common to have, like, people who don't speak your fucking language in your house working for you? Especially, like, minding over your kids? Like, what if you want to call and check on the kid? Like, the chick can't even speak English? You know, like, that... When, when I think about this, I just think of the Goonies. Remember? The, the, the live-in uh, nanny or whatever... Never seen it. Uh, you've never seen the Goonies. Yes, I've never seen the Goonies. I know, I know. It's a <laughs> that one surprises me. Yes, I there's dude. There'd be so much more movies that would surprise you that I haven't seen. That was my dad's like favorite movie. He loved that fucking movie. All I know about so, the Goonies is that the Truffle Shuffle and Corey Feldman. <laughs> so uh, you might have seen the scene with Corey Feldman though, where he's talking to the to uh, I think her name was Rosa. If I remember correctly. Um. He was talking to her, to her, and he was, you know, he could speak a little bit of Spanish. So then he's talking about, you know, you know, if you mess up, we'll we'll put you, you know, in 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 here with the cockroaches, <laughs> you know. So it was just one of those like uh, I remember I remember that 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 was one of the first experiences I had to like the idea that someone would have somebody taking care of you know kids or being a maid around the house that did not speak English. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, not only like, have you not learned the language of the country that you're living in that's spoken by like, you know, a huge percentage of the population. But I mean, that also could mean that you, you maybe culturally aren't as assimilated to like, you know, how American culture is or whatever. If you haven't even learned the language, you know, what makes me think you're going to know to do other shit that we do in this country that you may not do in other countries like you know oh in my country it's totally normal to hang the kids up by their toenails after they get done taking a bath that they yeah, they dry that's faster probably not, that's probably not normal in any country well yeah i know but i'm just going using extreme example i just don't i just don't understand why anyone would hire someone to look over their kid who doesn't speak your i think your it language. might have been some some of it might relate to price point you know maybe uh you know the the immigrants some of them, you know, they're they're willing to work for free or something, or I, or, or for less money. Yeah, than, I mean, than someone who is more, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Initiated isn't the right word, but the, who someone who has developed more of a uh, direct association with American culture and 
you know, knows the language and everything. If price point when it comes to your child is a thing for you, then that's pretty sad when it comes to it somebody is. looking over your child. It is. But, you know, that, that's definitely something that some families think of more than likely. And these people gave off a we are well off vibe to me. Like mm -hmm. they did not give off a, you know, well, even if you are well off, like a lot of people, they just want to pinch pennies whenever they can. Anyway, uh, for a year, everything went well. Then Sharon started noticing bruises on Ashley's body. Every time we asked Ashley what happened, how did you get this? She'd always tell us it happened at school, that she hurt her hand on the swing, that a little boy bit her with a shovel. Hit her with a shovel. Yeah, I don't know how you'd do that in his shovel mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's all shovel mouth over there. He bites people with his shovel-like <laughs> teeth. Uh, another child hit her with a Barbie, etc. So not only is this bitch Rosa abusing mm -hmm. this little kid, but she's also teaching her how to fucking lie mm -hmm. and be deceptive. For me, I, I would just automatically be 100% suspicious of all of these explanations for, you know, continuous uh, bruising on my child i would be like really especially if it's happening like again and again and again yeah like a little boy hit her with a shovel like what boy has a fucking sh other than like those plastic shovels or some shit like is there really a kid walking around with a fucking shovel <laughs> i mean yeah or a barbie <laughs> like yeah that's a violent uh barbie playtime session there like <laughs> just like <laughs> just swinging it around like it's a mace. <laughs> so uh, in February of 1990, it happened at home. Ashley needed several stitches from a deep gash on her head. And even in the reenactment, I feel so bad for this little girl. I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. Like, especially armed with the knowledge that this bitch was doing all this stuff. Yeah. According to Rosa, Ashley had been periodically blacking out and experiencing seizures. Although Jeff Berman never witnessed an episode himself, he feared his daughter had developed a serious uh, physiological disorder. I wouldn't see. Here's the thing: if I never saw a seizure episode myself, like I, I would, I don't know. I, I would be like, I would like, I don't. I mean, I'd look up what seizures are and see, you know, how frequent they they normally can be. And if I, you know, if I came across information that says that, you know, they happen quite a quite frequently if it is a serious physiological disorder then i just be questioning whether or not she had seizures at all because it's like i should have already seen uh these seizures it seems like you he like the father and the mother put you know way too much trust already into, into their nanny like they were just say oh she said this and we're we're just gonna believe it yeah not even Sorry, not even taking into account that, um, you know, the, the, a kid had died like they knew about that. They knew about the kid that had died in her care, but they just bought her story that he died of choking on a hot dog. It didn't really bother to like do extra. Like, here's the thing. I don't get it. Like, it, it's like do your extra research. It's like the hand that rocks the cradle movie. Like the, all that happens for Peyton uh, Rebecca De Mornay's character to get into this house of this family's uh, uh, dwelling, which she's gonna, she's only doing that so she can get revenge on the family of the the uh, woman that sued her husband and caused him to kill himself because he was abusing her sexually. 
So she, all she does is just, you know, she comes in, says she was recommended by an agency, gets an interview with the with the, the with the mother, and I guess she just smiles uh, enough times and does enough of good deeds and has the right first impression, and that's enough for her to get hired without the the uh, family really doing any background checks whatsoever. Yeah. So uh, her dad was saying, uh, we put Ashley through all kinds of tests. We, we put her through CAT scans, MRIs, which were very difficult to get a four-and-a-half-year-old child into an MRI. With all these tests, they could find absolutely nothing that related that she had any tendency really towards seizures. All indications was that she was a very healthy child. And that's a hefty paycheck. I oh, mean, a yeah. hefty amount of money oh, yeah, that trust was, me. was put into that. Yeah, sure. as someone who had to get a CAT scan and a sonogram myself for that whole fucking lump in my shoulder a few months ago, trust me, I know it was... Uh, yeah, that, that shit. and I went to a third party imaging center and it was still uh -huh. a couple hundred dollars. I couldn't even imagine going to a hospital to get that done. It's you're talking thousands at that point. Um, a few months later, Jeff came home early from a walk to find that his very healthy child had once a bit had once again been severely injured. Rosa proceeded to tell me that Ashley had fallen down. She was wearing some shoes and she tripped and she fell down. And I felt comfortable that she had just fallen. I saw the shoes. The shoes were on the kitchen floor. When the scene was reenacted by was reenacted by Ashley, it all made sense. Then, just nine days later, Ashley had a frightening brush with death. Sharon Berman remembered using rushing Ashley to the emergency room. I thought Ashley was going to die on us. I mean, I just looked at her. She was pale, hooked up, and I thought we were going to lose her. And pretty much, we were told if she survived, she if she'd lived, she'd more than likely be retarded or blind or both. It was kind of interesting how they just uh, so casually dropped the term retarded in this. Uh, yeah, they, because that's they, not a uh, swear word at this time. Right, yeah, it, it, even at the end, the dad's like, I'm just glad she, uh, you know, it could have been worse. She could have been retarded. <laughs> and it's like... Mm -hmm. Even though that is like technically a medical it's medical terminology, right? But now, now I feel like now they wouldn't allow that on TV. You know, like they wouldn't let them say that. They'd have to say like you know, mentally disabled or something. It was just, it was just funny because you know, it's we've changed so much as a culture is is in terms of like, you know, well, in the wrong way in that instance. I mean, it it all depends on context. Like you should still be able to say mental retardation or mentally retarded. But in, you know, a medical uh, context, and that should be perfectly acceptable. Yeah. If you're using it as an as a slur, then that's a, that's a different thing entirely. Banning the word outright is I just think was the complete wrong mo wrong move. We should have just educated more people on what the context, the right context of the word should be anytime you ban but that's too hard well anytime you it's ban it's easier words. just to ban it yeah anytime you do that people just like this they still say it they just say it around less people and then they scrawl it on the bathroom walls in some random bar you know yeah. it's like they just suppress it they don't it's not like banning the word makes them go oh i'm gonna not be an ignorant asshole they just hide their ignorant assholeness a little more but anyway or some or some don't do it at all like they still yeah, say it. they try to be little edge lords and say it in front of everyone. Like, oh, look at me! I'm bucking the societal rules. Like, wow, man, you're you're such a rebel. You're a regular fucking uh, 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 
what's his name? Thoreau, uh, the guy who lived <laughs> in the forest or whatever. Um, anyway, um, I can't, I did, I just quote an author. Jesus, I, I must be <laughs> gaining a few brain cells nowadays. Um, Dr. Frank Gillingham remembered treating Ashley. After I examined Ashley, I was suspicious that Ashley might have been abused. She had some small hemorrhages in the retina. This is a condition that's associated with shaken baby syndrome. Dr. Gillingham decided to check into Ashley's medical history and phoned her pediatrician. It wasn't until I spoke with Ashley's pediatrician that we made a connection to a prior case where the same caregiver had been involved in taking care of a child who died of what they thought might be child abuse. For the Bermans, it was a shocking piece of news. Two years earlier, Dr. Gillingham had treated a 17-month-old boy who was rushed to the hospital in a state of full cardiac arrest, which is insane to think of cardiac arrest associated with a fucking Mm 17-month-year-old. We were able to resuscitate the child. The child was subsequently admitted to the hospital, but then died within the next, I think, 17 or 18 hours. So fucking tragic. That day, the toddler had been in the care of Rosa Hernandez. An autopsy revealed that the boy had a fractured skull and internal bleeding. A baby. His death was ruled a homicide. Now with Ashley fighting for her life, police believe they had a case against Hernandez. Initially, they didn't. Yeah. They didn't have a case against her. They they couldn't pin, you know, pin it on her. She was charged with child abuse and murder. Ashley remained in the hospital for a week. Eventually, she made a full recovery with the experience behind her. Ashley spoke about Rosa Hernandez. So they actually have Ashley on the uh, show in this rena- yeah. on, on this segment. And, be- and before uh, we yeah, uh, we get to Ashley, um, they had, like, there's uh, the father's talking about this, uh, the last time he saw Rosa, and how she, like, just stares him down. It's like, why do you do this? Why, mister? I, lo- why, I mister? love Ashley. psycho man yeah but ashley is like 12 in this segment and it's it was like really like a relief to see her all like she was 11 well whatever it was a relief to see her like well and good and you know a a normal child But it was really surreal though to see an 11 year old girl like smirking and yeah she was kind of like smirk like it was almost like yeah you know like she was nervous to be on tv or something but i mean that was like that was yet another comforting thing because it was like obviously so behind her that she she didn't appear to be that fucked up about it still but but it but that's just a a surreal thing to see oh yeah someone that age who had something so traumatic happen to them like just dealing with it in a way that is is different than the norm so when you see someone like kind of with a smile on their face talking about how you know she used to push me down the steps. <laughs> You're like, okay, like it's just it's definitely something that that stands out. But good for her. Yeah, yeah. But she goes on to say she used to push me down the steps. I would hide her remote control to get back, get her back, and she took silverware and hit my nails. She would also take out her earrings and poke them through my nails, and she mm. would bang my head against the walls, the doors. The wood floors. Hernandez Jesus. pleaded guilty to involuntary manslaughter and child abuse. Despite protests from the Bermans, she was released on her own recognizance and promptly disappeared. Oh, big fucking surprise there. Maria Rosa Hernandez is from El Salvador. She is five foot four and weighs approximately 130 pounds. Hernandez speaks broken English and has what appears to be burn scars on her right upper form. She just went, she went back to El Salvador. 
Yep, and she's still around. Yeah. She just went back to... That's what they do. They just go back to their fucking country of origin, and they just blend in with the society down there. And, you know, there's... Sometimes there's like a... Um, there's like a, a camaraderie around these people, you know, like to protect them, you know, because, well, I don't know if they're like, fuck America or what, but there's like a, you know... Let's let's make sure this person stays protected and hidden, you know, from authorities. So, yeah, uh, she's just going to be in El Salvador somewhere in uh, South America until uh, in, until someone either dimes her out or she gets caught. But I mean, I, I just I wouldn't be surprised if, if she's, you know, if she is over there, she's, you know, taking care of other kids and continuing her cycle of abuse. Yeah, it probably like gets her off to like you know beat on someone smaller than her another question you know that that must be you know asked is like why why would someone be uh compelled to do that kind of thing like why 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 did she get uh so into abusing kids like that i think it gave her a, a rise I think I think I mean I think she got off to it maybe not like sexually but like she like got off you know on the power trip I think because it's like oh this person you know it cannot def obviously she's got you know demons from her past and, and yeah. problems you know that that contributed to uh wanting to do that to kids maybe she was beaten as a kid you know that's usually how the cycle happens no excuse but yeah no no not at all <laughs> but yeah so um she's an awful human being and i hope she's dead and i hope she died very painfully <laughs> so um yeah it's it's that's a really rough uh that those are always rough cases to 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 hear and to see you know child abuse because the kids can't defend themselves yep yeah, it's rough. That and animals. Those two cases are always hard for me to... Especially animals for some reason, more so than kids. I don't know what that... Because I eat meat. Like, I'm not vegan or anything, yet I I don't know. If the animal is alive, I don't want anything bad to happen to it. But at the same time, like, if I don't see the animal... I don't know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not even going to get on that tangent. Moving on. So, the next... Uh case is uh the mysterious case of sarah powell it involves uh temporary amnesia it involves seizures it involves freddy krueger <laughs> involves all different types of things so this is a segment that was uh aired on season eight of unsolved mysteries and this one has a lot of controversy surrounding it for a lot of people who are fans of the show there's a lot of back and forth as to was what she uh, recounted real. What did she actually get uh, uh, um, involved with uh, a home invasion, or did she just make it up? So it's one of those things that yeah, definitely is a case that lives up to the mystery and unsolved mysteries. So, at around 9.30 a.m. on November 16th, 1993, 14-year-old Sarah Powell woke up in her middle-class home in Clear Lake, Texas. She was in her bedroom, hogtied with duct tape and the phone cord. The room was unfamiliar to her, despite the fact that she described it almost to a T on the phone call. Uh, 
uh, it's pink and there's bears and there's all these other things around. Uh, she was disorientated. She had no idea who she was. Her home had apparently been broken into and ransacked. She was only able to call for help by calling the last number on the phone by hitting the redial button. The number was the post office where she reached her mother, Deborah, who realized that Sarah, who was sick from school, was a girl on the phone. By the time she arrived, police were already there. When the police and Deborah went inside, they found the house ransacked and Sarah in her bedroom, who did not want Deborah near her because she did not recognize her. The police believe that, that she may have been involved in what happened that day. No sign of forced entry was found in and around the house, nor were there any fingerprints. Also, despite it being a rainy day, there were no wet or muddy footprints in the house. And that's a big, that's a big, uh, series of red flags to me for, for the validity of this case. Like, there's no sign of forced entry at all, like in and around the house, like anywhere. There's yeah, no wet muddy the, footprints. Yeah, the muddy foot, the lack of muddy footprints. Um, Especially if these uh, assa- these assailants they came from outside. But maybe they would like take that into account, you know? Like, hey, let let's make sure. Sh- it doesn't seem like these individuals that she's uh, recounting are are that intelligent. <laughs> it's just, it's just, they don't seem like they're master criminals by any means. Um. And police eventually determined that nothing had been stolen from the house. So that's another thing. What's the motive? Why would anybody break it? Why would they ransack the house? And, and there's they didn't take anything. They stole nothing that was valuable. They just ransacked the house and left, and tied her up, and hit her in the head with a with the butt of a gun. Like I I I, I, I don't know. I don't know. So when they questioned Sarah, she claimed to have no memory of what happened. In addition, she was unable to write her name, tie her shoes, and even brush her teeth. Uh, It was soon determined that she was most likely suffering from a traumatic-induced amnesia. Deborah and the rest of the family tried to jog Sarah's memory with with family photos. However, she could not remember anyone in her family. After about two months, she began getting her memories back of basic skills. Then, while she and Deborah were leaving school, she suddenly suffered a seizure. The only words she said being, I didn't let them in. And that just sounds rehearsed to me. Yeah. Like, how how are you going to have, like, a spontaneous seizure and then afterwards have the cognizance and awareness after this traumatic brain uh, seizure to say, I didn't let them in? Her memories of the home invasion and several mass intruders terrorizing her began to return. Now, also, there was a police officer who was interviewed in the segment. He he already he already had this uh, thought in his head that she was just trying to hide something. Like he was like she came across to me as a girl who was trying to hide something from her mother. What that was, I don't know. Maybe she got involved with the wrong crowd, the wrong pack of uh, teens, and uh, maybe that's why they ransacked her house, because, you know, she got involved with the wrong crowd, tried to leave or something, and then they decided to do that to send a message to her. I don't know. Um, But it's not really clear what she was trying to hide, 
if anything. So that particular uh, answer for for things is is not really uh, that strong. So she claims this is this is her uh, recollections uh, of what what happened. I will say this before I get to this about this segment. This the direction in this I thought was really good. I, I thought the cinematography was. Uh, really solid i i thought did really did a good job like creating the mood and atmosphere especially on her um uh, her memories like when she's talking about what she remembers it has this nightmarish look to it and i definitely think that's the point it has all these different camera angles that are tilted and off to the side i think they just really turned on the fog machine to overdrive <laughs> set it to kill <laughs> I mean, it's just fucking so much fog in, in her uh, recollections of, of what occurred. And it makes sense. I mean, one of the assailants wore a Freddy Krueger mask. <laughs> so it makes sense that her uh, recollections of what happened is shot in such a nightmarish way. So she claims that at 8.30 a.m. she was at home with her dog when she heard sounds coming from the second floor. She ran upstairs and saw intruders breaking in through the window. So she called Deborah, but the line was busy. She then ran downstairs, but she could not go out the front door because the lock was deadbolted and she did not have the key or she couldn't find the key. That is so stupid to have a house yeah. that, is, that you need a key to get out or in. I don't understand. Yeah. Do not understand the point of that. Well, I mean, it's for for security purposes, but like, I I mean, if you have a kid, you know, they're staying alone, they're sick. Like, let them know where the key is. That's I, just weird to me. I mean, that's it is it's a very weird concept of locking the inside of a house. So when the noises stopped, she decided to go up and investigate. When she was suddenly grabbed by two men, they threw her on the bed and tried to suffocate her with a pillow. When she stopped moving because she decided to fake like she passed out, uh, she decided to immediately get up, which is like, why didn't you just like continue to act like you were passed out? Why did you immediately have to like, like pop up like a, like a whack-a-mole? <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know if it was if, if I was in that situation, and and I've seen similar cases of home invasion that have been featured on the show, and there have been people who are like they just act like they're dead, you know, and then they move on, continue robbing the house or ransack it, and then leave, and then you're like, then you get up, and you're like, oh my god, you know, like you risk like further injury and like l actual death <laughs> if. if if you decide you're just gonna, you know, get out of that uh, act, so to speak, so quickly. So, but that's the only way she was able to see who these uh, assailants were. So she saw their faces. You just had to get a look, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> the taller one, he he wore pantyhose over his head. Son, you got pantyhose on your head. Well, the, well, the, well, the smaller one wore a Freddy Krueger mask. When he realized she had seen his face, uh, the guy with the panty on his head, he became angered and hit her in the head with his gun, knocking her out. 
when she woke up, he was in the room with her, told her to be quiet, and that she would be okay. However, when the leader saw them talking, the two men began to argue, and the taller one pointed his gun to her head. Then he had the smaller one tie her up and saw the two girls exiting through the window. As the smaller one left, he placed the phone back off the hook, and she passed out. Because apparently, Freddy felt bad. <laughs> Freddy felt bad. He's, he's like a... He's like a Freddy Krueger who definitely skipped uh, all his workout days that included from the <laughs> neck down. It's, he's got this big ass Freddy Krueger mask and this tiny little skinny body. Uh huh. It's kind of funny looking. He was yeah, very not intimidate, very much not intimidating. She had she uh, apparently Sarah has had nine seizures since the attack and continues to regain her memory, but police remain skeptical and believed the whole incident was a figment of her imagination. They put her under hypnosis, but her story continued to hold up. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean, hypnosis has been proven to be really uh, not the most reliable thing. Because you don't... I, I mean, we just see a little clip. For all we know, the guy who's doing the hypnosis session could have led her on with questions to get the answers that tied up with her story. Um... And hypnosis hasn't really been proven to this date to be really a effective or um, let's just say reliable form of <laughs> of anything in terms of proof for uh, the existence of UFOs, let alone um, the uh, man. Mike, you're struggling. The existence of certain <laughs> existence of certain. Uh, cases uh that have uh, of have occurred mike so is, your, is your brain breaking down right now it sounded like <laughs> it, that was like the hardest sentence you ever had to like form in your life just it was then. difficult it was difficult <laughs> um that's what happens folks when you're live and you have to come up with, with shit off the top of your head and you're not you're not going with the script oh boy do we know and boy do our audiences know at this point <laughs> i remember one episode on solved mysteries where they used hypnosis to for a girl to remember like the last four numbers of a license plate or something and it actually mm. was effective. So I think it really depends. Yeah. Um, I don't know where I stand as far as like hypnosis and like UFO memories. Cause yeah. like, I, like you said, I do think it could be a little suggestive. Like someone like what's his face, Bob, the guy who wrote the intruders books and all that, the uh, yeah. UFO expert or whatever, Bob Hoskins, mm -hmm. I think his name was. Yeah. Um, I, obviously this guy believes in UFOs and, and has an expectation that, there is a possibility that what this person is remembering is UFO activity. So you could. I think it's Hopkins. Well, what? Because Bob Hoskins is the actor. Okay. You know, from Bud Bud Hopkins. Bud Hopkins. <laughs> Bud Hopkins. Yeah, yeah that's, that's who it, it is. But anyway, like, so yeah. I mean, I, I I don't know. The jury's out with me on that one. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Hit, no, hit. What I mean by not very reliable is that it there are instances where hypnosis can provide some potential uh, worthwhile clues, but there are plenty more other instances where it's just not reliable. It's, it's like, it's like, it's not in the same vein as a lie detector test, but it's close when it comes to overall re reliability. Um, and how do you know for sure that the person that you're trying to hypnotize is actually hypnotized? Because for all you know, she could have just acted like 
oh, I'm not really be, I'm not really going under, but I'm just going to act like I'm hypnotized and close my eyes and then like rehearse my story. Yeah, because one of the um, one of the components of being hypnotized is you have to be open to being hypnotized. Like if you Mm-hmm. You can't just hypnotize somebody against their will. It has to be no. a, per- a participatory thing. Like they have to mm-hmm. play, you know, play along as it were. Yeah. So she there's a composite of the attacker. Apparently she remembered he has a, he had a tattoo of like a cobra. But uh this case is still unsolved because they've not found anyone. The two alleged attackers, they remain unidentified. Um, What I'm going to do real quick is there is a, um, the sitcoms online uh, forum. Uh, There was a poster that brought up a lot of questions about this particular case that I, that I definitely was like, huh? So apparently so one of them definitely was they tried they showed evidence that she was continuing to have seizures. And one of them was a videotape of Sarah having a seizure at at a grandparent's house. Well, this isn't like nowadays where oh if something happens, you can just break out your cell phone and it's a quick and easy like task. It's just something you can just do in a heartbeat. Back then like you had to get the camera out of the closet you had to make sure the battery was charged. You had to put all the. It was all. It was a much more complicated thing to do when it comes to recording something back then. So it leads you to believe. It leads you at least. It makes you question the validity of the seizure because it seems like it could have just been staged. You know. Because back then, when you have something sudden and spontaneous like that happening, like, I don't know. I mean, we all know about, like, for example, this is not a seizure, but it's a staged thing. I mean, Gulf Breeze is a great example of this. Oh, it's a spontaneous UFO sighting, but really it was just a staged event. It was a special effect. Or or the uh, the uh, Diane Lebanek UFO sighting where it was... Mm-hmm. You know, Guardian had prior knowledge of this UFO being in this field. And, you know, because you see him walking over the hill to reveal the UFO, you know, on in the in the field or whatever. And it's like, you know, yeah, I mean, what you're saying does make a lot of sense in the sense that like you back in the 90s, you would have had to have had prior knowledge that something was happening for you to go and grab the video camera and make sure it had tape in it and make sure those gigantic grenade sized batteries were charged and all that other crap. It's not like now where you can just whip out your cell phone and in two seconds, um, you know, you, you can be filming something, you know, yeah. I think I'm, I might already mentioned this on uh, the podcast, but there are like three kids uh, outside of my house uh, on the sidewalk who were like getting it. Like two of them were like talking shit to each other. They're like, Bitch, motherfucker, motherfucker, bitch. I don't know what I don't know what they were so upset about, but they one of them starts pushing the other one, and the third one, and I guess this is what kids do nowadays. And yes, by this one incident, I'm lumping all kids into this. Um, the third one, instead of like stepping in to break up the fight, he pulls out his phone and starts like filming it, like their altercation. 
Which, I mean, I guess you could yeah. say, I guess you could say in a sense that is helping because, you know, you could show it to parents or mm-hmm. whatever to prove that whatever. But, uh, you know, uh, my thought is that he just he's just going to put this on his Snapchat or his Instagram, you know, just just to get attention or whatever. Like, oh, yeah. look at this drama going on. So nowadays people are so prone to whipping out their cameras. But back then it's kind of like, you know, it's an event. That's really what it was. It was an event to break out the camera. Yeah, no, it really, um, no, it really was. Yeah, you're you're right about that. It absolutely was because it was so big and bulky. It was yeah, it was a big thing. Yeah. So also, I I mean, there, there's a lot of other you know fishy things. I mean, there there's no forced entry, no fingerprints left at the scene. Sarah claims to have seen the intruders breaking into the second story window, but they don't say how the intruders got up to the window. And what did they climb on to get there? Was there a ladder? Did they climb on top of their car? Was there a first story roof under the window that they easily climbed and then stood on to open the window? And out of all the possible entry points in the house, why did they come through Sarah's bedroom window? Apparently the front door was double deadbolted, but there had to be other windows, a glass door, a back door, etc. on the first floor that would be easier to get into than Sarah's second floor bedroom window. They don't mention if or how they suspect the intruders got up to the second story window. It was a rainy day and there were no wet or muddy footprints in or around the house. That's a key uh, fact there. There were no wet or muddy footprints in or around the house. Unless, like, they actually were nightmare uh, uh, on Elm Street characters. (laughs) Unless it actually was Freddy Krueger. Who decided to uh, waste his time doing with this fourteen-year-old girl, and uh, didn't not really do that great of a job, I guess, in terms of uh, finishing her off because Freddie normally doesn't let people live. <laughs> um, it, it's 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 I don't know how they would not leave any footprints in or around the house. I mean, unless they, and, unless they were that damn good that they knew to wipe up their footprints. So after the attack, I, I guess she's too disabled to attend school. But when it's time for homeschooling to be, to begin, and just a couple months later, like she starts having these seizures. And like I mentioned earlier, like right at the first one, she says, I didn't let them in. Like, why would a seizure be immediately followed by comments regarding her innocence in the particular break-in. And when it comes to the seizures, also, like, how often does that happen where you have a seizure, where a seizure is caused by some kind of uh, traumatic memory? I don't know. I I myself, thank God, have never had one, so I'm, you know, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. Um... Didn't you say you were doing some kind of research before this where you were it it's it it doesn't happen like like having yeah, a seizure does yeah. not it, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't happen very often. So it's one of those things where it's not a common occurrence. It, it seems more it's kind of like a PTSD thing. Um but the psychiatrist uh said that Sarah was experiencing a unique amnesia presentation, which was caused by a combination of head injury, terror, and suffocation and he said it in a way like that that maybe like because i remember just trying to remember the word he was he used a word that you normally don't hear when it comes to like 
uh, using it in that particular context. Oh, uh, w- w- are you talking about the child therapist guy? Yeah, he was. He said her her uh, her brain was insulted. Yeah, he said her brain was yeah. insulted. And in, I was like, in, insulted in, in two different ways. The first way was by the blow to the head, and the second way was by the uh, with the suffocation or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that I, that does sound like a very medical way of putting it, I guess. But it's also kind of funny too. It's like, yeah, my brain was insulted by watching the Dennis Farina episodes of Unsolved Mysteries as well. <laughs> you know, so you don't hear me wording it like that um more like my intelligence was insulted also here's another thing why would these two men and this these two women break into a 14 year old girl's a girl's room get caught trying to open the window keep trying to open the window while she stands in the room dialing the phone and then when she leaves the room they get inside and hide in her closet why were they in the closet if they were really there to steal something wouldn't they have just went in and done that why would they hide in her bedroom closet waiting for her return to the room? That's that, yeah. I mean, because that sounds like something straight out of a horror film. Well, like this girl, this girl saw some slasher movies and was just you know imagining and just uh, filling in the blanks, so to speak. Well, one thing to me though, like and the uh, kid, uh, guy with the Freddy Krueger mask, the, like the in her favor, like because then she went on that whole bit where like she didn't remember her mother as her mother and her mom would like uh you know be laying in bed with her or or, or you know on the bedside like putting her yeah. to bed and and you know she'd be like i know you're probably my mother because there's a bunch of pictures that you have of me but i just don't yeah. feel anything towards you and she kept up that whole ruse my whole thing is like dude that is like going above and beyond if you're faking it as a well, as a if kid, you, if you have if you have being like I don't recognize issues. you as my mom and all this other shit, that would well, be I mean, if, awful. Yeah, it, it would be. But if you have emotional issues and you already have some relationship problems with your own mother, like it doesn't seem like that much of a stretch for you to like do this whole act. To be perfectly honest, as a way to kind of act out. An elaborate way, but a way of acting out regardless. Um, the the four intruders, apparently, they left the house also the same way they entered. Why did they just walk out the back door? I mean, because, yeah, it, it definitely had to be easier than climbing out of a second story window in the rain. There's just all these different things that when you think about it, it just makes you question the validity of her... Uh, recollections of what happened even more um and i i just it's just but i mean then the house is ransacked why would she do that what is the point of that to kind of set up her whole uh thing but how would she be able to tie herself up that way but cindy james that's another thing cindy james like how she eventually was found it also leaves questions like how she would be able to do all that herself too it's one of those that it's definitely a mystery. I'm leaning towards the side that it seems like it's made up, but then there's other things that you see involving this particular case where you're like, well, maybe there is some truth to it. Uh, Mike, I will say this uh, one word hashtag believe all women. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe you're denying this woman right now. You're an awful human being. Your career should be over, mister. Hashtag cancel Mike. 
<laughs> little SJW humor there for you guys. <clears throat> Hashtag cancel uh, UUM. Um, from what I've been seeing from our group, a lot of people just seem to feel the same way that I do, that this just seems really suspicious. And one of the most uh, suspicious cases uh, on the show when it comes to the overall believability of everything. Um, and I, I, you know, based on first glance, you know, just from her interviews, she kind of seemed, I mean, I'm just saying that, I mean, is it kind of either she was really nervous or she was just trying to think of something to say? Cause there were some shots where she's like not having eye contact. She's like looking up and the kind of showing the telltale signs of like, okay, what am I going to say now? You know, yeah, that kind of I don't thing. Know. I don't look too. I mean, I know there's like body language experts out there who like to analyze that shit. But when someone's but hey, when someone's on camera some... and they're not used to being on camera, they're probably gonna do a bunch of weird things. So I don't really, I don't know. I, but... I don't really look too deeply into that. I, I don't know. We've done that in the past though with some some of these certain uh, uh, individuals that were featured on the show that seemed like they were guilty. Well, Leonard as hell. Leonard Rizzo was the biggest example. Yeah. By far, I mean, I I don't know how those bones got in my backyard. I've never owned or operated a wood chipper. Uh, I don't know whose bones those are. Uh, I did not kill my wife. Uh, you know, it's crazy, man. Like, uh, it's wild. So can I go now, my lawyer? I, actually, when he was doing that interview, his lawyer was just off to the side of the camera because uh, there was a commentary one on that one. And uh, they're saying his lawyer was like just outside of that shot, like making sure, you know, he such an awkward. Interview. Yeah, it had to be one of the most awkward interviews. As the one guy said, uh, one of the detectives said on one of the episodes of Unsolved Mysteries, um, witnesses don't need attorneys. Uh, the uh, accused yeah. or uh, guilty people need attorneys or whatever. So mm -hmm. I said some version of that anyway. So, yeah, uh, that's Sarah Powell. Um Definitely a case that is worth discussing, and yeah. it's one that has a lot of different threads to it that are quite puzzling, quite mysterious. Um, I don't know for sure exactly what happened. I don't think any of us do, and I don't think anyone really will. But uh, it's one of those cases where you know you learn about it, you read up on it, and you just determine what your stand or your stance is based on that and uh, i'm i'm for me personally i'm just leaning more towards the side of the skeptic here i'm very skeptical of this case well mike i hate to do this to you buddy <laughs> you get the whistle blown at you because i believe her because i believe all women no i don't know uh i can't i i don't i, I can't make heads or tails of this no, a lot of this shit doesn't make sense but at the same time i just don't think someone would go through all this uh for for what to gain what you know what was what was there to gain she i mean there might and, be stuff that in the seizures and like about. keeping it keeping the ruse going for so long after the fact i mean that is an elaborate ass ruse to keep going yeah. uh to, you know kids usually don't they're not that good at um you know keeping that kind of stuff going if they're bullshitting i, I don't know man I don't, I don't know i just i don't know i think there's some stuff that's missing i think there's pieces of this case that are are just missing right now 
uh, that we don't know the context of. Like, for example, the relationship between her and her mother um, and maybe some other aspects of, of, of Sarah herself. We don't really know. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things that, like I said, I, 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 I'm leaning towards more of the skeptical side, but I'm willing to change my mind if there's more evidence that's presented that really does prove uh, that, you know, this was all uh, exactly how she recollected it. Which there won't be um, new evidence, you know. <laughs> no, it's, there won't be. So I'm just going to continue to uh, have my druthers, so to speak. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Up next, we have the case so, of uh, the child of Mac McDonald. This is actually yes. a lost loves case. This is one of the most bittersweet and like heartbreaking cases. I think I think of, me uh, and lost I think me and Mike are going to surprisingly have a uh, different We haven't talked about this case uh, ahead of time. I think we're going to have uh, very diametrically opposed uh, uh, opinions yeah. on this. So, let's, let me give you a rundown here. 63-year-old Wilford Wilfred Boyd Mac McDonald, he's Mac for short, I guess, nickname, is searching for his daughter, whom he was forced to abandon after his girlfriend's mother threatened to file rape charges against him. His story began in Pomona, California in 1948, when he was 20. He fell in love with his 16-year-old neighbor, Mary Helen Carr. One day, she approached him, talking about his motorcycle. He asked if she wanted to go for a ride, but she said her mother would forbid her, especially since he was about four years older than her. However, a few days later, when her mother was not home, they went for a ride and began a discreet relationship. Then one day, her mother caught them together, and he felt he had no choice but to leave. He went to the oil fields of Texas where he found work in Houston. Three weeks later, Mary ran away from home to join Mac in Houston. She called him from a bus station and he immediately picked her up. The next day, they, they posing as husband and wife, found an apartment in Houston. They were very happy together and planned to spend their lives so. One month later, however, a friend called and told him that the police were on their way to the apartment. Mary's mother had pressed statutory rape charges against him. He fled the scene just seconds before police arrested, arrived to arrest him. He kept driving until he left Texas. Mary was taken back to California. A year passed. Mac returned to California to take a new job. One evening, he and a friend stopped at a drive-in in Long Beach. He was shocked to find Mary working as a car hop there. She told him to come visit her at her apartment when she got off. She then dropped the bombshell that they had had a baby who was there. Later that evening, he arrived and was shocked to find Mary's mother holding their baby. He believed that the meeting was a setup and that the police were coming to arrest him again. Mac finally held his baby, but he was still afraid that police were coming to arrest him. At that time in California, statutory rape was punishable by up to 30 years in prison. He stayed for less than five minutes. He never knew if his baby was a boy or a girl. He now realizes he had made a huge mistake and that he should have stayed behind for his baby. Today, as a result of his success, he has a substantial estate worth over $1 million. He wants to leave this to his baby when he passes away. Okay, now let me just, after reading all that. He was fucking a minor. He was fucking a minor. He was 20 yes. years old fucking a 16-year-old. Yes. And they just brush past this in Unsolved Mysteries like he was a, it's a lost love. And they, you know, the mother, yeah, the mother forbid it because she was being a good parent. He's 20, she's 16. That's yeah. illegal. 
That's fucking. I mean, I, I I will say this though. Yeah, uh, Mary Ellen, you know, is a part of it as well. Like, it's not just entirely this guy's fault. It doesn't matter. She's underage. She's a child. It it it. it, it you know, how many times they've tried to like people who have gone to court for this for statutory rape have said you you know it doesn't matter how uh, consenting the sixteen year old is. That's just that's the law. I mean, that's she. I mean, there's some Romeo Juliet law thing that I've heard about where, you know, it, you, you can you as a technicality, you can get out of the statutory rape charge if you're able to maneuver it legally in a certain way. But the, the fact still stands is that this dude knowingly had sex with a minor when he was 20 years old. I mean, I yeah, it was 10 years ago. That was 20. But I remember being 20 and I clearly remember like okay, this chick's under 18, she's off limits, end of fucking discussion, like, end of sentence, but this guy gave in, because he's talking about how hot or attractive he thought this chick was, you know, I mean, it's, it's you know, a little creepy. Um, now it wouldn't be, if, if, if you're, like, 20 and the other person's 24 or something, obviously that's fine, but, you know, I mean, the that's the law of the land, you know, like, you could get into the debate of, well, maybe should, you know, in some countries, 16 is uh, the, the age of consent. And then in uh, I think in certain states, the age of consent is lower. But for the most part, 18, you know, so I mean, yeah. And then this guy like ran from the law because I mean, the dude knew he fucked up. And Unsolved Mysteries like dances around all of that shit and like paints this as this like forlorn lost love story. And I'm just like, dude, this guy is kind of a fucking creep. And they they're doing this whole, oh, I should have stayed and, you know, with my baby and all this other kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, but you were too afraid of getting arrested because you knew you were breaking the law. Anyway, this case was solved as a result of the broadcast. Mac learned that he had a 43 year old daughter named Sherry Blackman, who is married with two children. The viewer who called the telecenter was Mary. Mary had seen, uh, had been raised, uh, Sherry had been raised by a loving and caring stepfather, so it was difficult for her to come to terms that she had a biological father that wanted to be a part of her life. One week after the broadcast, Mac arrived at Sherry's home in Denver, Colorado, where he was reunited with her. Although she felt that the situation was quite emotionally traumatic, in the end, she was more than willing to have him included in her life. Sadly, Mac died on April 11, 2017 in Reno, Nevada, in his bituary. Sherry is not named among his survivors. So that's interesting. Yeah, that is definitely interesting. So what I meant by the heartbreaking thing is not necessarily about, oh, his lost love with his with his uh, 16-year-old underage uh, uh, lover. It's the whole thing with, with the daughter, really. You know, the, it's the heartbreaking aspect of, oh, my God, like, my stepfather, you know, like I, I actually ha I have a father, but it, it's this guy who banged up my mom when I was six, you know, when she was 16 or or probably I don't know if uh, she was still 16 at that point, because I think it was probably later on when they when she ran away, uh, but still underaged. 17, and you know, whatever, 17, I mean. <laughs> whatever. Um, so I, I definitely that that's the mo that's the real heartbreaking aspect of it is that where it's just like this just really awkward moment where your whole life just gets torn asunder 
when you're like 43. And she's like, I'm like happily married and I have kids, you know, it it, it is one of those things that's like, yeah, that is pretty heartbreaking because it's like, wow, like that, that's, that's some dirty, you know, secret that gets revealed that's just a total bombshell. And in, like an atom in bomb the interview, just got dropped on your life. They're interviewing Sherry and Sherry's like, you know, uh at the you know, I, I, I saw him, it was very emotional, but at the end of the day, he 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 did he did leave my mom with a newborn infant. And I feel like yep. she should have added to that. And also at the end of the day, he was kind of creepy for uh fucking around with a minor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know, man. Like absolutely. I just I just find it bizarre how how they uh looked the other way. I guess on I that. guess I just kind of yeah, I, I definitely it definitely is very uh puzzling now this especially for this particular show to like kind of just hey, I gloss over that like it's just your typical love story. yeah now this did happen uh, in the 40s so yeah i mean was that more of a, accepted back then most likely most likely i mean i i think i think that kind of ties into it as well um but that being said like what i was trying to say in terms of like the there are two parties involved um i i just i guess i guess kind of when I think about rape, you know, I, I guess I kind of, it, it seems like what I've been uh, taught about it through school or, or, you know, through sex ed or for, through the media and everything, it's without any consent whatsoever. Yeah. Like, that's what rape is. I don't really see what sexual relationship he had with Mary as, as rape. I think the mother just kind of threw that out there because she just didn't want them together. And I get it. And technically, you could say it was underage for sure uh, because it was underage. Uh, uh, it was an underage uh, sexual relationship. But I don't I don't buy into the idea that it's that it's a case of rape because I just think that's a problem where you just like you can just throw rape on there and then, well, someone could get locked up or whatever and and sent to prison for, uh, you know, raping an underage uh, girl when there was consent involved. I think there's a lot of things that really should be uh, clarified and, in a way, rectified when it comes to the law, when it comes to that. There's too many, like, instances of, you know, there are legitimate cases where, you know, someone is absolutely 100%, it's it's rape. But then there's other cases where, you know, there, there, there are people who get, fucking ruined and it and it just seems like ah whatever uh you know that doesn't really matter at this point in time because you know she said you know or the mother said this and as i i think there's there's really there needs to be a little bit more i i don't know um consistency with with, with uh, I, think, I think what or, you're trying to say is like every case should be taken into account separately instead of this blanket yes. term being thrown yes. over everything. One hundred percent. And I can 100%. I can see where you're coming from on that, and I agree. I agree that that each of these cases, when it when it is called statutory rape, which only means you have, uh, according to the statute. According to the law of the land, you have had a, essentially illegal sex with somebody. Um, mm-hmm. It's not, you know, the rape. Uh, I think that comes into play because the the thought is is that 
if you you know if you're an older guy and and even if you have consensual sex with a minor the the thought is is that they are still a child and that they don't have the uh they don't have the ability to discern you know but this is a 16 year old yeah so this is where i think you know the line should be drawn you know when you have like a 20 year old and a 16 year old um, I, I, I think the 16 year old is, is aware. Right. No. And, and uh, especially, of, of especially things. with women, cause women, I do believe, uh, they, I, if you're comparing it to like what fucking Polanski did or, you know, the, you know, that kind of stuff, like that's different. Let, that's like let, let me not leave my sentence about women yeah. dangling in the thin air. Okay. So people aren't like, what, what, what? <laughs> I think, okay. I think women do age, uh, quick or mature quicker like mentally when they're younger than than men i mean every mm-hmm. younger female that i have known it seems to be you know more mentally ahead of the game than than boys their same age so uh and and yeah i mean i know i just ranted and raved about you know the minor thing because i just couldn't believe how they glossed over it but 16 and 20 you know it's pushing it you know, it, it's like, but it's not the creepiest thing, but it is pushing it. It is creepy. It is different. It, it is definitely. What's, uh, to me, um, I just, to the guy, it's like, why was she not off limits in your mind? Why, after yeah. you found out her age, yes, she looked good. What's the creepiest thing about it is the when he's describing how, you know, how hot she looked while she's, you know, sitting on the bench which i mean he even was recollecting exactly what she was wearing and she was attracted to me and i was attracted to her you which know, i mean you like, know like i've seen chicks before that i thought were attractive and then someone's like dude you know she's 16 or 17 right and i'm like oh okay never mind and as long as you do the oh okay never mind thing and you you know okay but ne- things might have been different back then in terms of like what and i think they were i think i think that's what it boils down to i think it, it things were different back then and i think people uh married underage uh people a lot more back then and and as long as the parents were okay with the guy and that you know they were he was a good church going fella and they you know they ha- he had every intention to raise a family and this guy wasn't that. He was a he was he rode a motorcycle. Yeah, he was, he was, a, rebel. He was a greaser man. He uh, you know rode his motorcycle, which I'm sure back then was. Uh, this is a good reenactment too. I have to admit, I think the acting was was uh, pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, but uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, I thought this was a good case to talk about because how conflicted I well not conflicted. Yeah. Yeah, it was just it's it was weird to me. That's why I figured it was weird to see unsolved mysteries just kind of just skirt around. Yeah, like I just thought it was good so fodder much. for discussion. You know, like yes, I, I do find it interesting that you know Sherry was not listed uh, among his survivors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it makes me think that maybe there the after the after the reunion. Like, things just did not work out. Sometimes, blood is not thicker than water. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't know somebody, just because they're... Uh, dude, you know, you know how many relatives I have that I could care less, I couldn't care less about? And that mm-hmm. sounds cold, that sounds harsh, but, like, it's true. Like, I have friends that mean way more to me than some of my family. It, that, just because I'm mean, related. I mean, I appreciate that honesty because just because you have you're related to somebody that is that, necessarily mean that doesn't that you mean anything to me. Need to have respect for that person, yeah, that, or need to have any sort of relationship with that person. Yeah, I mean, relation means nothing to me. Like the time you put into me means everything. Yes. 
So exactly, what, uh, it was like my crazy uncle Tony trying to say, like, you know, I don't have to, you know, you should just respect me because related or whatever, and I'm your uncle, and I'm like, no, man, that's, <laughs> that's not, not how this works, buddy. No, in your in your <laughs> old fashioned world, maybe. In the real world, not so much. That's like saying uh, BTK's daughter had to respect uh, him because he was her father. <laughs> no. No. But she does. She does. I think she does in, in some way or in some respect still respect him. Uh, I think she has love for him. Mm-hmm. But it's I, I don't know, man. She must be like the most conflicted person mentally in the world. Oh, yeah. Well, it wouldn't just be her. I mean, there's other, you know, other, you know, and it and it does not help that she looks exactly like that him. Are, that are in the same uh, same boat. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's. But with Mac, it's one of those things that you know. And also, I got to ask this question about him too. Why did he wait all this time, like till he's what, in his fifties or sixties, to try to find his daughter? Why did he wait this fucking long? He probably waited for the statute of limitations to run out on the statutory rape. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, after 20 years, I can no longer be arrested for this. Because there is a statute of limitations on, yeah. on that. Yeah. He probably waited for that. Honestly, he probably waited for it to run I out. I do buy into, I do buy, the, you know, when he's talking about he made a mistake. I mean, and that that is a little bit heartbreaking in a way because it's like, you know, maybe if you just stayed, because it seemed like the mother at that point, I, I think, was probably going to be willing to kind of try to, you know, let it slide. Well, she probably, she probably should have daughter. mentioned that at some point. Hey, by the way, yes, uh, I, I'm not going to have you arrested. Yes, that's another thing, too. Yeah, she should have just been, you know. And, and, and uh, you know, the the uh, his 16 year old girlfriend also probably should have mentioned, hey, when you come by tonight, my mom's going to answer the door yeah, and she's exactly. going to be there. I mean, it, uh-huh. does, it did kind of feel like an ambush, like, hey, yeah. uh, you, you, you think you could have mentioned that to me that uh, you don't blame him for running again. At all. I don't know. Again, like, I'm conflicted because it's like he 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 knew he knew he did something wrong. That's why he was running. No, that that's what I'm saying. You don't blame him for running again at that point because he knew he did something wrong and he he just saw the situation where it was like uh this this looks like another bust. Oh no, to me the respectable thing to do would have been to take your lumps, do well, exactly. serve your time and then I agree with and that. Be, I I definitely agree with you that. You know, and then be your but I'm da- just saying, the dad. You don't blame him with his mindset at the time. Which is this paranoid? Well, yeah, I mean, if you have his mindset, you know, yeah, I don't blame yeah. him. If I'm in putting my mind into the that's what I'm talking mind about. of someone who would do that, yeah. you know, that's that's what I'm talking about. That's what I, that's what I'm saying when I say you, you, you know, you can't really blame Mike. Him you got to stop worrying so much about coming off as the, uh, the 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 nice guy so much. You just gotta just just stand <laughs> your ground, man. Stand your ground. Come off as a sleaze bag sometimes. Don't have it always be uh. me. <laughs> Let's switch roles. <laughs> all right, I think that's all I got for. Uh, that, that's our awkward, uh, uh, extremely awkward uh, discussion of this really awkward case, to be honest. So it makes makes perfect sense <laughs> that we would have an awkward discussion of this awkward lost love scare. Yes, I love it. 
All right. So anyway, uh, if you guys want to join our Facebook group, you can do so by going to Facebook.com, going to the group section and searching Uncovering Explained Mysteries. There's a bunch of cool stuff in there, a bunch of cool people in there, a big community of people who also love Unsolved Mysteries and us into some degree and possums. Um, if you want to support us on Patreon, consider doing so by joining uh, Patreon.com slash Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. You get the podcast early when we actually do the fucking podcast. Um if you want to follow us on YouTube, but you don't like us, but together at the same time, maybe you feel you need a break from both of us and you want to take us on one guy at a time and then work up to both of us, you can do so by uh, following us on YouTube. Mike is youtube.com slash OCP communications. He's a movie guy. He talks about movies. Uh, what was the last thing you talked about on there, Mike? The Phantom. The 1996 film with Billy Zane and Treat Williams, uh, you know, based on the comic book about, you know, the Phantom, the superhero who runs around in purple tights. He looks like Bible Man. (laughs) He's definitely a lot cooler than Bible Man. Do you know about Bible Man? I will definitely say that. Yes, I know all about Bible Man. Like, what a cringe (laughs) fest of a show that is. (laughs) Awesome. Well, you need to do a video on Bible Man. (laughs) <laughs> rather not <laughs> but yeah <laughs> fucking bible man and his lightsabers and shit Ooh, he's got he's got a 2.6 out of 10 on imdb yeah christian cringe oh yeah there's there, there's finest. a lot of that out there uh all right so that's mike's youtube channel check him out you can check me out on my youtube channel uh youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts uh, the last I talk about music related stuff for the most part. That's the format that I'm trying hey, to shift over to. Hey, Bible Man has music in it. Uh, well, <laughs> I, that might be fodder for a video for me. I, I, unlike Mike, have much lower standards for things I'll talk about on my channel. Uh, the last video I did was, is it wrong to only like a band for their big hits? Um, and I make the case that for some. I thought it was a good video. Thank you. Uh, I made the case that for some bands, I feel like it is okay to only like them for their hits. For instance, Elton John. Uh, most of his big hits are his... 330 songs. Yeah, 330 songs. You know, only about 20 of them, you know, or 30 of them are worth listening to, to be quite honest. If you don't believe me, go to Spotify and look at just all the material that dude has. He released he released an album in the 80s, almost uh, an album per year, and some of those albums have no songs you would even recognize on there. And if you really break it down, a lot of his mm-hmm. music is crap. So for Elton John, makes perfect sense that you would only listen to his greatest hits. Or like ACDC. ACDC has so many songs, but a lot of them just sound exactly the same. Yeah. So a lot of the time, you're just going to gravitate towards the the hits. Yeah, or the, the Beach Boys. Like, what's the point? With listening to the same derivative beats on their other, you know, songs. It's not exactly the same. Like, what's really the yeah. point? So, you know, Hell's Bells, Highway to Hell, Thunderstruck, for those about to rock. Yeah, you know, that makes sense that those would be the only ones you want to listen to. Shoot the Thrill, which I'm getting really tired of, like, out of all the ACDC songs. Like, uh, right up there with Back in Black. Because that's been overplayed to death. Not only on the radio... But like in film. Oh, I'm tired like, of I'm sick and tired of hearing Shoot to Thrill. Like it's it's not only Iron Man's music, you know, theme for, for his action scenes, but it's in other movies too. And it's just like I'm sick of that song. Yeah, I'm tired of most of their songs, uh, especially back in black though. 
Um, one of their more underrated songs I like though is "Who Made Who." That's the- yes, I love that song. I was going to mention yeah. that because I, you know, I'm a big fan of Maximum Overdrive and the film, and I just think it's a great song. Yeah, it is. It's got a really cool, very un ACDC melody in it in the verse. Like I really like the verse melody. Um, but anyway, that's the video I did, and my band was recently featured in the Folio Weekly magazine, a uh, local magazine here in Jacksonville, and we actually got a whole write up about our band. Um, you can check that out in the group too. I dropped a link to that. So that's just a personal achievement of mine that I'm really excited about. Um, so yeah, that's all for this week until next week. Uh, be safe. Don't cry and don't die. Goodbye. See ya. So now we've come to the point in the podcast where I'm going to promote my band, Dancing With Ghosts. We are on Spotify and anywhere else that you want to stream music, so please give us a listen. And if you like what you hear, consider supporting our band. You can buy limited editions of our physical CDs and uh, t-shirts in the description to this podcast. And uh, we just appreciate you checking out the band and giving it a chance. And now here is a little clip of some of our music. Someone tucked a tied up. As goes the night. I feel the slip in this abyss. And crafted cage my skull. I cannot stand. You cannot stand. my Freddie impression. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that's what that was, but then yeah, again, it's Freddy Krueger. Then again, I haven't seen that many uh I haven't seen like a, a full Friday the 13th movie. I that's won't... that's that's Jason Voorhees. That's the guy with the hockey mask. Oh. Uh Nightmare yeah, your franchise is mixed up. <laughs> that's how <You> noob. <laughs> that's how dedicated I am, man. That's how dedicated I am. I'm I'm can't even get my fucking whatever right. This is a Nightmare on Elm Street. They're two different franchises. Whatever.